is war in the spirit. Your God-given, God-guided resource for all things truth and all things kingdom based on the word of God and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Stay tuned for this week's spiritual truth. Hey, spiritual warriors, welcome back to War in the Spirit podcast. This is Faith Cawthon Green back for another episode of War in the Spirit. And you are tuned in for season number seven, episode number two, entitled God Don't Make No Mess. So God actually gave me the beginnings of this message a few weeks ago, and he just kind of told me to put it in my back pocket. And um, it came back up this morning and he, or this afternoon, and he told me, all right, it's time. And I was talking to someone earlier today about how as Christians, as believers, we have these things that we believe to be, see my air quotes, best practices, but aren't really the best practices according to God. And one of the things that I'm always talking about is that people always want to pretend like everything that they deem to be good in their life is a blessing. And uh, we always want to give God a nod every time there's something that we think we want to happen in our lives happens. We go, oh, you know, um, such and such won an award. That's a blessing. Oh, such and such got married. That's a blessing. Such and such got a job. That's a blessing. Such and such got a raise. Oh, that's a blessing. But a blessing is something that actually comes from God by definition. It's a divine thing. And, you know, the thing that makes me so mad is like I think about people like I'm going to take Cardi B, for instance. Let's just say, you know, people like that go up, they win an award and they give God the glory. So you mean to tell me that you giving God the glory for WAP because WAP and you winning an award for WAP is a blessing. No, 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 no. Like, and I see it over and over and over and over and over again, where people try to put God's stamp of approval on their mess. Stop pretending that God put his stamp of approval on some mess that you created, that you built, just like we talked about last week, this broken building that you built for yourself stop trying to pretend like God put his stamp of approval on that mess that you produced for yourself you see oftentimes we we want to believe that God gave us that territory that that influence that success that power well my friends you're sadly mistaken because make no mistake the enemy can give territory too. I get so sick and tired of people pretending like something that they're doing that they know does not align with the word of God, that they know is underhanded, that they know ain't clean, that they know ain't righteous, that they know ain't right. <laughs> trying to put God's stamp of approval on it, trying to give God the glory for some mess. And God is not a God of mess. Why are we trying to put our mess on God to try to validate something that we know ain't right because it don't align with his word? See, the enemy is out here trying to trap all of y'all into taking this territory because it looks good, because it sounds good, because it's a great opportunity, right? But every opportunity did not come from God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him along into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will give his angels orders concerning you and on their hands, they will lift you up so that you do not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him along to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you. If you fall down and worship me, then Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to serve him. You know what's so funny about this? Because <laughs> this is how Satan works with us, too. He waited until Jesus was good and hungry. He didn't come on the on the on the first 10 days, the first five days of his fast. He came on the tail end of the fast when he was hungry, when he was tired, when he was worn down. And that's what the enemy does to us, too. He waits until we're on our very last straw to come and make an offer that you seemingly can't refuse. And how many of us are taking the bait? You see, he says, oh, you know, I can offer you the kingdoms of the world and all this. I'll give it to you if you fall down and worship me. So how many of us have given over our souls, our purpose, our lives, our relationship with God to take some territory that the that the enemy dangled in front of us that we want to convince ourselves is a blessing? How many of us are being misled? And you know what's so funny is I was talking to somebody about this earlier today, too, is uh, um, because I was talking about the Bible being a complete work, the word of God being a complete work and how we can't cherry pick what God says about one thing in one area and not read what he says about that thing in another area because we don't have the full picture until we know everything that he said about that thing. For instance, you know, so many people get into this, this, this talk about manifest. Oh, I'm going to speak something into existence. I'm going to decree and declare it. I'm going to pray. And if, if, uh, if, as, if I, if I say it and, and I believe it, then it's going to be done. I'm going to manifest it. No, 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 no. You know how many contingencies there are to that? First of all, you have no power to manifest anything. Only God has the power to do that. Second of all, you must have faith. You can't just randomly open your mouth and be like, I'm going to have this. And God be your genie in the bottle and be like, well, let me rub the lamp like you rub the lamp. And he's like, oh, your wish is my command. No, no, no. First of all, you have to have faith. You, you can speak to that mountain and command it to go throw itself in the sea. However, you must believe and not doubt. But see, so many times we don't want to pay attention to the contingencies. We, 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 we hear the contingencies about God wanting us to prosper and uh, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ever ask or think that God wants us to be prosperous. And he wants us to we, we, we hear all of that, but we miss the contingencies. And we decide that to grab on to the only thing that we heard that was convenient for us prosperity. God said he wants me to be prosperous. God said he wants me to be the head and not the tail. God said he wants me to be the lender and not the borrower. But what comes as a predecessor to those words? There's a contingency. Obedience. So 
If you haven't met the prerequisite of obedience, then whatever you are receiving is not a blessing from God. That is a bait. Now ask yourself, did you take the bait? Mistaking something that the enemy put in front of you for a blessing from God. So let's just look at this. Because let's talk about what's fruit from God and what's fruit from the enemy. What's good fruit and what's tainted fruit. Let's look at Revelations. This is chapter 5. And I'm going to read just for context, verses 1 through 14. It says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is open, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to be able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. And then I'm going to skip down to uh, verse 11. And it says, then I looked and I heard the voices of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. These are the spirits of God. Power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. Now, there's a reason that is called the fruit of his spirit. It's the fruit of God's spirit. So if these are the seven spirits of God that are released into the earth, when we tap into these seven things, then a fruit is produced from it. That means that if what you are building is truly from, connected to the spirit of God, it will produce good fruit. So let's look at Galatians chapter five. So where it talks about the fruits of the spirit, uh, this is verses 16 through 25. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh for the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. So he gives us the anti-fruits of his spirit, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you. Just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So here's the thing. The enemy can put things in front of you that look like blessing, that look like wealth, that look like wisdom, that look like might, that look like honor, and that look like glory and power. But see, the, there's, there's the spirit of God. 
These are the spirits of God that produce fruit of his spirit. So if your wealth, your power, your wisdom, your might, your honor, your glory, and your blessing is truly from God, then it will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But see, if it's not of God, it's going to produce sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, and carousing. So ask yourself, what are you producing? What kind of tree are you growing here? Have you lied to yourself and told yourself that that thing that you have been building is a blessing from God? When what it is producing is anger, ambition, dissension, faction, separation, envy, jealousy. Do that thing that you're building, are you, are you clawing to hang on to it and taking other people down to try to hold your spot? Are you envious of what other people have? Because if so, it ain't from God. But see, if what you are building produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, is that what is coming out of what you've built? Do people experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness as a fruit of what you've been building? Or is there all kind of dissension in the ranks? Is there discord in what you've been building? Is there greed in what you've been building? Is there sexual immorality in what you've been building? And have you been putting a stamp of approval, a false rubber stamp of approval on your broken building? Have you been trying to give God glory for something that is nothing but mess? It, it irks me so badly when I, I, I see all of these people and they get up on stage and they be, oh, the, a point to God. But when is the last time you, you actually lived your life for God? Oh, God gave me this championship. God gave me this gold medal. God, people who don't even acknowledge God the other 364 days of the year. Oh, but we sure to try to put God's stamp of approval on our mess. <laughs> Using him as a pawn of validation for something that we know ain't clean, that we know ain't right. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a ministry. I don't care if it's a business. I don't care if it's a relationship. If it ain't ordained by God, if it ain't producing the fruit of his spirit, it ain't right. It's a broken building. <laughs> I don't care how big it is, how successful, how influential, you got taken by the enemy. And I literally mean taken because he took over your life, your purpose and your mind. Because once he gave you that territory, in order to keep it, you have to keep getting farther and farther away from God. You know, I was watching this um, video, um, just an excerpt about the, the real Wolf of Wall Street, not Leo DiCaprio, but the actual Wolf of Wall Street. And um, I was listening to something he said, and he said, that he did one thing wrong, and then the deeper he got into it, he could no longer draw the line between right and wrong. The line had been muddled by his greed, and there was no going back. The only thing that would stop him was getting caught. So what have you gotten caught up in that you keep trying to convince yourself is God, but isn't? Are you in so deep that you can't walk 
away. Let's go to Matthew. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to start at verse 16. It says, and someone came to him and said, teacher, what good thing shall I do so that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, if you want to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But the young man heard this statement. He went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. <sighs> you know, what's so funny about this is Satan understands this. And that's exactly why he dangles bait in front of us, making us believe that it's a blessing from God. It's not that being rich makes you evil. It's that in order to truly follow God and be committed to him, you have to be willing to surrender everything to him. And the enemy understands that the more you've got, the more difficult it is for you to surrender. So he'll dangle all of these worldly possessions, power, influence, and all these things in front of you. So that when God comes and says, hey, I need you to surrender that to me. <laughs> you got too much stuff. You got too many possessions that are holding you back and, and, and keeping you from being able to truly surrender your life to God. Too many of us have taken the bait. And then when God says, hey, this is a thing that I need you to give over to me because I have something greater for you. I have something better for you. Too many of us can't do it because we're too busy holding on to that thing that we thought was a blessing from God and it was nothing but a trap. And I'm going to tell you this because I myself have had to give over everything to God. I mean everything. And if you've listened to my podcast, if you follow me on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, you've probably heard me talk about this. I literally had to leave my entire life behind. God said, look, I got something more for you. I got something greater for you. That job you had, I had a good paying job. I had a career. I was on a career path. I was doing well. I got my master's degree. I was a board certified behavior analyst. And God said, leave all of that behind. Put that down. I had a, I had a church home. I, I had a, 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 a everything. Put that down. God said, put that down. Mm. And then I put one thing down and he said, now put this thing down. And I'd be like, but God, I already put this down. And he would say, now put that thing down. And you know how difficult it was for me. And I ain't even rich. I ain't even have that much. And this is exactly the trap that the enemy wants us to walk into. And we are feeding right into it, believing that God has put a stamp on the mess 
that we are building. And God don't make no mess. Let's look at verse 25. This is still Matthew 19. It says, when the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, it may be difficult for you to give up the things that you built, the life that you thought was supposed to be what your life was going to look like for the rest of your days, the, the, the thing that you believed was a blessing from God, it may be difficult. But if you trust him, if you lean on him for the strength, if you have faith in him, you can give that thing over to God. Because with People, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. If you had told me three years ago that my life would look like what it looks like today, I would have told, I would have laughed in your face. If you had told me that I could be so drastically different, that I could surrender so much to God. I would have laughed in your face. And y'all, I am, I was the, the true, a true definition of a control freak, a type A personality. Like I needed to plan everything. And God said, throw away your plan. I got a different plan. I want you to follow my blueprint. I got the master plan for your life. And the only way I could do that was with his strength, was to full lean fully on God and you can do the same. And then verse 27 says, then Peter responded and said to him, behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the son of man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms on account of my name will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. You see, at the end of the day, you can choose to surrender it to God or you cannot. But God is still going to do with it what he wants to do with it. Either you're going to voluntarily surrender it or he's going to snatch it from under you. Just like uh, his word says, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And you got to decide which side of that line you want to be on. <laughs> Again, people want to think of God as a genie in a bottle. Like they can show up, rub the bottle and make three wishes, having all their prayers answered, give without giving anything in return. But that's not how God works. And let me help you. God don't want your stuff. He wants your heart. And he don't want you to have nothing. He's not asking you to surrender what you have to him because he wants you to have nothing. He's asking you to exchange it because you think you got a lot now. You know how much greater he can expand you to if you will just give it to him. You scared you ain't gonna have enough. You scared you're gonna be living in lack. You scared you're gonna be broke. You scared you're gonna, you're gonna uh, 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 fall back into poverty or whatever have you. But the truth is, the kingdom has limitless resources. So that what you think you got right now, that you think is so great, God is laughing at it and going, that ain't nothing. 
The inheritance that I want to grant to you is so much greater. And I'm not just talking about material stuff. I'm talking about freedom from the chains that the world puts on you. I'm talking about freedom from needing to be validated by other people. I'm talking about freedom from uh, from bondage. I'm talking about freedom from hurt. I'm talking about freedom from woundedness, from bitterness, from depression. I'm talking about true healing. I'm, I'm talking about being transformed into your true kingdom identity. I'm talking about God aligning every single area of your life to make it work in perfect harmony together. I'm talking about you being at the top and never at the bottom. I'm talking about your enemy coming at you in one way and fleeing from you in seven. I'm talking about you being the lender and not the borrower. I'm talking about you being blessed in your going out and blessed in your coming in. You see, you ain't never had a friend like him. But he's not the friend that will give you all that you want and allow you to continue to live in your mess. He's, he's not the friend that will turn a blind eye. He's, he's a friend. He's a father. He's a counselor who is going to hold you accountable to hold your feet to the fire until you become the best version of yourself. The version of yourself that he originally created you to be. Not who you want to be, not who the world says you are, but who he created you to be. Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 through 14 talks about the gate. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. See that mess you've been building? You've convinced yourself that that's life. But see, that life that you convinced yourself is so great still has puppet strings on you. <laughs> You're still pushed and pulled and blown by other people and their afflictions and their opinions and needing validation and deciding whether or not they can approve of what you've been building. That ain't life. You ain't nothing but another Pinocchio lying to yourself. See, because you walk through the wide gate and that gate leads to destruction. If the gate that you walk through look like the gate that everybody else walked through, if what you build and look like what everybody else building, if you've decided that you found a formula, that somebody got a formula for success and you followed that same formula, baby, you walked through the wrong gate. Because the gate, the road that leads to life is narrow. It is not wide. You ain't going to see a whole lot of other people taking that path because you know why? Because they took the bait that the enemy put in front of them. And when they took the bait that the enemy put in front of them, they couldn't put it down. Then they were hooked. And they couldn't get off that hook. Now, here's the thing. Can you get off the hook? Sure you can. Why? Because with people, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So if you've convinced yourself that you're too far gone, that you made too many mistakes, that you've done too much, that you're too far into your mess to come back and get off that hook, you're not. You're not. It's not too late to walk into the narrow gate. It's not too late to decide to take another direction. It's not too late to decide to take the way. For he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, you ain't lived until you've gone the way. 
You ain't loved until you've gone the way. You haven't experienced true joy or true peace or true prosperity until you've gone the way, until you've walked through the narrow gate, the gate that everybody else ain't taken. You can get off the hook. But you got to let the fishermen take you off. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 33. It says, what is the outcome then, brothers and sisters, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. All things are done for edification. If anyone speaks in tongue, it must be by two or at the most three, and each one in turn, and one is to interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he is to keep silent in church and have him speak to himself and to God. Have two or three prophets speak and have the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, then the first one is to keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. You know why I included this? because this speaks to order and it speaks to the order of God and it speaks to people speaking out of turn <laughs> and it speaks to confusion. And I tell people this all the time, you know, I, I mentor some people, I do a spiritual mentoring sometimes and I tell people all the time, that when you listen to too many voices, it breeds confusion. And you have to let God direct you to a voice that he has ordained to lead you spiritually. And then you also have to maintain accountability for yourself and your own walk with God by maintaining your own personal relationship with God. So I don't know, you know, there are plenty of people out there who claim to be prophets and preachers and pastors and ministers and everybody got a word, this, that, and the third. And, and we all want to listen. And I, I watch people all the time and they hop from sermon to sermon and church to church and pastor to pastor. And, and I'm like, y'all going to be out here so confused because you're listening to all these different voices and you haven't taken it to God so that he can sift. Because there are voices that you should listen to and voices that you shouldn't listen to because there are voices who are producing good fruit, the fruit of the spirit, and then there are voices who are producing fruit of the world. And I don't care who they claim to be. There are voices who are building broken buildings, even in the church, who are trying to put God's stamp of approval on some mess that they built and was not ordained by God. Matthew chapter seven, verse 15 says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Again, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. See, all these spiritual leaders and people that, that you guys are, are, are chasing after and listening to, you got to take a step back and go, what kind of fruit are they producing? And if in the midst of their ministry, 
there are anti-fruits of the spirit, such as sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, and carousing them, my friends. It is not a fruit of the spirit of God. It is a fruit of the world. Sure, people make mistakes. And I'm not saying that people don't make mistakes. But at the end of the day, a, a tree, a good tree, what does it say? Cannot bear false fruit. Or cannot bear bad fruit. I'm sorry. Every good tree bears good fruit and bad trees bear bad fruit. It's just as simple as that. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, then it's a duck. So now ask yourself, is that what is breeding your confusion? Why you're confused and not able to sift and determine what is truly a blessing from God and what is bait from the enemy. Because God is not a God of confusion. And if you are confused, then I would suggest to you that God is not in the midst of what you are doing. God is a God of clarity. He is a God of finality. He is not a God of confusion. And then it says, verse 21, this is still Matthew chapter seven. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So you need to ask yourself, are you bearing mess or are you bearing miracles? What fruit is coming from what you are building? Because if it's the anti-fruits of the spirit, then baby, you need to check your tree. That thing is rotten. You need to go and let God uproot whatever is feeding that. You need to go and let him get you off the hook of what the enemy has put you on. Surrender it to him so that he can replant you. Because God don't make no mess. I don't care how you want to sugarcoat it. I don't care how much stuff you got. I don't care how much money you got. If fruit of the spirit ain't coming from it, it ain't from God. It's just bait to keep you out of position. It's just bait to steal your true purpose from you. It's just bait to keep you from your inheritance because the enemy don't ever want you to discover the truth of who God actually called you to be. He wants you to keep on chasing that bait. And I pray that you will say no more, Satan. Just like Jesus said when he was in the midst of the wilderness, when he was in the midst of the temptation, when Satan told him, I'll give you all this stuff. I'll give it to you. All you got to do is worship me. What have you given up? How far have you gotten away from God just so you could take that bait? And when you took that bait, you decided you needed to get another thing and another thing. And you needed to continue to grow that broken building. And you, it's like, it's like Jenga. The taller it gets, the taller it gets, the less stable it becomes. How 
how tall are you going to make this broken building before it tumbles down on top of you? It's time for you to do just like Jesus and say, go away, Satan. I don't want whatever you trying to hook me with no more. I don't need it. I know God has something far greater for my life. It's time for you to tell the enemy that whatever he is offering is of no value to you. Because it ain't building God's kingdom and you are not a builder on his construction team. You don't want to be on the enemy's construction crew. That'll land you right in the fire and brimstone of hell. I don't care how much you convince yourself otherwise. You better take inventory. Because God about to take a wrecking ball through your mess, whether you like it or not. Because he ain't about to have people claiming things that he did not put his stamp of approval on. This is why the world doesn't trust the church now. Because there's too many out, too many people out here that's out of order doing stuff that God has not ordained. Claiming <laughs> that it's God. Claiming that it's a blessing. Claiming that God gave them that territory. Claiming that God gave them that power. And that's a bold-faced lie. You know, the one sin, the one sin that the Bible says is unforgivable is blaspheming the spirit of God. So you tell me, is it worth it for you to be trying to put God's stamp of approval, a false rubber stamp on your mess? Is your life worth it? Is your soul worth it? I don't think so. Stop pretending that what you built is of God. If it don't align with his word, if it doesn't produce good fruit, it's not him. Go back to the architect. Go back to the drawing board. Go back and commit your plans to him so that he can establish them. This is how you know that is God ordained because you give it over to him and you allow him to establish it. It's a fail safe. As long as you keep God in it, he ain't going to let it fall. But see, the world will blow like the wind. One day you'll be up and the next day you'll be down. One day you'll be in and the next day you'll be out. One day you'll be popular and the next day you'll be at the bottom of the barrel. Can't get a job. Can't get, a, a, can't, can't get no opportunities. Don't have no influence. Don't have no power. Why? Just because the people said that you ain't trending no more. Then what you gonna do? You gonna cry out to the enemy? He going to say, well, you're worthless to me now. <laughs> you don't have no influence over the people. I don't want you. God is just waiting to save you, to bring you into the truth, the truth of your purpose, the truth of who he created you to be. And it ain't no mess. That's the word that God laid on my heart to share with you. And I pray, you know, I say this so much that it's so important that people do not take my word as the final word. It is your responsibility as a believer to take everything back to God, 
to sift it, to allow him to tell you what is truth, what is not truth, to allow him to show you how to take what's been said and apply it to your specific situation. This ain't about me. I don't need no glory. I don't care about that. I am simply the messenger. And I would admonish you to take this message and get on your face and ask God to reveal to you the areas that you have yet to surrender so that you can get off the enemy's hook. I'm going to say a quick prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you to say thank you for another opportunity to dwell in your presence. We say thank you, God, for your power and your glory that you are releasing into the earth in a new way, God. We say thank you for this word that you have given, this word of warning, God, to try to get us in alignment because you don't want to leave us out there in our mess, God. We thank you that you continue to chase after us, that you continue to pursue us, God, that you don't leave us out there hanging, God. We thank you that even when we make mistakes, you are a forgiving God. You are a redeeming God. You are a God that wants to help us get back in position. All we have to do is choose. I'm asking you right now, God, that you would help and empower and strengthen your people, your children to choose to walk away from what the enemy is dangling in front of them, knowing and understanding that what you have to offer them is so much greater. I pray that they will seek you on new levels, that they will allow you to be the architect over their lives not trying to build things themselves for they don't have the master plan for they are not experts in the field of life, but you are because you created it all. I pray right now that every heart, every mind, every spirit that will hear this word will be convicted to move in immediacy and that you will respond accordingly. I pray all these things in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. Amen. I love you all. Please heed this warning. And I pray that you receive this word. Share it. If you want more content, you can find uh, me on YouTube, on my YouTube channel at War in the Spirit Live. If you feel led to sow into this ministry, you can do so at Cash App, dollar sign, War in the Spirit. You can also do so at Venmo at War in the Spirit 12. If you want to contact me, you have questions, you need help, you want guidance, whatever, you want prayer, you can reach out to me at warinthespirit12 at gmail.com. I love you. Have a blessed and wonderful week. Bye.